It is 1130 here at KRVN. It is Friday, June 18th. Tyler Cavalli along with you. Thanks for making us a part of your day. Wherever you may be listening, got another great show on tap for you. Also going to be a little bit cooler day. You know, it's been a hot week when we're celebrating lower 90s for much of our listening area. Also, you may be running into some sprinkles, which we would all certainly welcome. We'll have more on the weather coming up at 11.45 in a regional ag weather update with Paul Perkins. Jason is in for sports. That'll come up here in just a couple of minutes. And then Bob Brogan will tell us how stocks are performing uh, so far on this Friday. Not great so far, but uh, he'll fill us in in just a moment. But let's head out to our Lincoln office. And Susan Littlefield is joining us. And Susan, how are you? I'm doing well. I got woke up at 4.30 this morning with thunder. Hey, there you go. Did it drop any rain, though? Not really. Enough to make like the dirty sprinkles on your car. Yeah, yeah. That's about it. All right. So I kind of knocked down the dust, I guess, if anything, at that point. Yeah, pretty much. Mm. But it's starting to get a little dark here in Lincoln, and they say we could get some rain. We'll see. Yeah, there's an off and on chance looking at the radar right now. There are some sprinkles, little cells here to the the west of Lincoln. So uh, crossing your fingers, hopefully it does bring some precipitation. Yeah, we'll see what happens. All right. Well, what do you have coming up for us on midday today? Well, of course, it is a Friday, which means we check in with Al Dutcher and Chad Moyer. Cool and wet, is it on the way? That's the big question with the wet weather coming. We'll get more details with Al Dutcher. Then at 1245, I'll step in as we'll be talking about pigs and the heat and some great reminders for our 4-H and FFAers as they are continuing to do progress shows and, believe it or not, getting ready for county fairs. We'll talk about ways to get those pigs to stay watered. And we'll talk about the AgView program as well, another um, aspect of herd health for our producers. Then at 117, it's the FNBO Fridays in the Field. We turn it over to Clay Patton as he heads back to Mac Creek Winery as he talks about the highlights of what's happening with the grape crop now that the heat has mm. moved into the Midwest. So that's a midday on a Friday from all of us. Okay, sounds very good. Hopefully get some rain and enjoy your weekend. Yes, you too. All right, thank you very much. That was Susan Littlefield from our office there in Lincoln. Let's now catch up with our own sports director, Jason Jorgensen. And what do you have for us in the world of sports? Small of fame stuff to talk about. The Brass Gate Man All-Star Game is set for tomorrow on Hastings. And as part of that, they will be honoring some members who will go into the Nebraska Eight-Man Association's Hall of Fame. We'll give you the lowdown on that. Also, they will be celebrating some former greats in Holdridge tonight at the Nebraska Prairie Museum with their Phelps County Wall of Honor. And we'll tell you about Nebraska's newest commitment at the running back position. Huskers able to snag a verbal commitment for whatever that's worth. And a big trade in the NBA today. Mm-hmm. Kemba Walker's heading back to Oklahoma City or to Oklahoma City. Al Horford back to Boston. You're the I, NBA expert around here. Is that a good trade? I don't think so, but it's money. It's a. I think it's a, a money saving deal for Boston. Saves them like ten million this year and next year. Also, it sounds like the Thunder continue to rack up. And, yeah. Um, I mean, they're hoarding all of these draft Seriously, picks coming I, forward. I think I saw of the the thirty first thirty first picks this year. They have like five of them of in the first round. So they're planning for the future. <laughs> they're be a college team essentially. It's Campbell so, Walker with a bunch of guys you never heard from. Everybody, <laughs> correct, correct. All right, sweetie so guys, we have heard from. This is Bob Rogan. And how are stocks performing? Stocks are a little lower today after that uh, Federal Reserve announcement that the nation's central bank might need to raise interest rates as early as next year, a little bit earlier than expected. Gas prices, meanwhile, have soared past 3 bucks a gallon. We'll be seeing that at the uh, pump station. So those are some of the deta- uh, some of the stories that we're uh, following today. All right. Thank you very much. 
It is time for Regional Ag Weather Update, and it's brought to you by Holdridge Irrigation. Paul Perkins is now joining us in the studio. and Well, Paul, it's nice to see that some areas are getting some showers, or possibly at least any kind of precipitation <laughs> right now. Anyway, and we did see a little bit of light rain overnight. We did have an isolated severe thunderstorm cell over Valley County. That dumped about three, a third of an inch of rain towards mm. the Ord area, just mm. a few hundreds towards Broken Bow. But yeah, right now, a little bit of spotty activity popping up. Some of that activity, some light sprinkles in eastern Lincoln County. It did cool the temperature, though, down to 75 in the North Platte area. Also, isolated rain and maybe some rumbles of thunder towards Kearney and Gibbon this morning, right along I-80. And also, a string of some light rain from about south of Omaha through the Lincoln area to about Exeter just to the southeast of York but all of it quickly moving off towards the east unfortunately not dropping a whole lot of rain again we'll take whatever we can get at this point but also one of the highlights too is the temperature is going to back down a little bit today and for the next several days exactly more seasonal as we head into the weekend and a nice break from the heat coming up on monday looking at highs in the 50s and we could see some overnight lows in the 50s for early next week yeah all right you know it's it's been warm when we're almost celebrating low 90s for highs exactly and it is still rather steamy and hot over much of right. Kansas from Concordia about to the Oakley area points to the south. We still have temperatures in the low to mid-90s. That's where that cold front is just trying to emerge into that area. Most of us with some temperatures currently in the mid to upper 80s. Some exceptions though, a 75 at North Platte and 79 in the Ord area. And once again, that light rain on a very spotty basis moving off towards the east and southeast. And it is a bit on the muggy side though. Those dew points currently in the mid to upper 60s across the area. Not quite as high on our temperatures for today. About 5 to 10 degrees warmer than usual, though. Just to the south of a stalled cold front is continuing in northern Kansas. And that will include some fuels like readings up to around 105 across north central Kansas and northeast Kansas. Small thunderstorm chances today through this evening will be confined right near that cold front that currently lays from about eastern Nebraska into northern Kansas. Temperatures for tomorrow and Father's Day up to be around seasonal levels. Some scattered thunderstorms are possible for late tomorrow through tomorrow night as some storms track east out of the western high plains. A few of those storms could be severe Right now, there's currently a low-end marginal risk of any severe activity for tomorrow and tomorrow night. Additional thunderstorms are possible Sunday night into Monday with a cold front, a fairly strong cold front pushing to the southeast. Behind that cold front are highs on Monday, region-wide cooling to the 70s. And we're not talking overnight lows in the 70s. Actual daytime highs cooling to the 70s as we head towards Monday. Overnight lows will cool to the upper 40s to even the 50s for Sunday night on into Tuesday night. Temperatures gradually warming back up to seasonal low for Tuesday through Thursday. A few storms are possible with another front during the midweek. In the long-term forecast, warmer than normal temperatures are likely for Wednesday through the 1st of July for Nebraska, Kansas, and the western two-thirds of the U.S. During late June, average central Nebraska highs are in the mid-80s with average overnight lows right around 60. Rain chances not looking overly great with near normal to slightly below normal rainfall predicted for Nebraska and Kansas Wednesday through July 1st. 
Key weather factors influencing the markets include the location of thunderstorms moving through the Corn Belt this next week and intense heat in the Black Sea region. In the Midwest, scattered thunderstorms moved through some northern drought areas last night into this morning with some good rains in some of Wisconsin and Michigan, but more rain is needed. Sunday into early next week, more widespread rain arrives, but we'll miss some key Midwest areas. Drought stress will be eased some with the rain and cooler temperatures for the next week. In the Southern Plains, soil moisture drying up right now. It's helping the wheat harvest, but worsening the conditions for developing corn and soybeans. A better chance of rain this weekend into early next week should provide some beneficial rain to a few Southern Plains areas, along with some below normal temperatures for a few days. Towards the Northern Plains, most crops are in dire need of some moisture right now. The Northern Plains rain, though, unfortunately will be light over the next week. For the Black Sea region of Ukraine and Russia, widespread rain the last 7 to 10 days will be replaced by triple-digit heat. That heat expected to reduce the topsoil moisture and slow down the development of corn and spring wheat, but help out with the maturing winter wheat. So this upcoming weekend, for the most part across our listening area, we'll step back in temperatures, more seasonal. But unfortunately, it's going to be a while until we see some any kind of significant rain. Yeah, uh, right now, just really no signs of any significant systems moving in. It looks like that big ridge of high pressure is going to start rebuilding towards the west, and that will help to really cut off any storm systems moving into mm-hmm. our area. Okay. All right. Well, let's hope that changes, but unfortunately, it doesn't look like it's going to. For a full weekend weather forecast, where can we find that? Weather page, krvn.com. Thank you, Paul. Feed it on. Chad Moyer with you here on the Rural Radio Network, and it is time for our weekly conversation with Nebraska ag climatologist Al Dutcher. Al, thanks for joining us once again here. It looks like we're on the tail end of a long, dry, and uh, definitely hot period. Uh, what do you make of this week's weather so far, and then what do we have in store for us getting into next week? Boy, Chad, uh, I'm almost getting tired of saying the GFS is pointing toward precipitation, <laughs> because it sure hasn't been falling as, as we would have expected. But once again, we have this trough that's moving across the northern plains, and we've seen some precipitation break out over the last 24 hours, particularly over Iowa. We've seen some backbuilding of that into portions of northeast and east central Nebraska this morning with thunderstorm activity and scattered shower activity. And we have some of the ongoing right now but the overall pattern is is that a slightly cooler air works in but the overall trough response for that cool air is not really going to intensify and dig toward the south it's basically going to skirt toward the east but as it does so it's going to broaden out therefore for this weekend we're not going to see the real cold air start to move in until we get at least through tomorrow night into sunday when another piece of energy rotates around that trough and basically as it moves the energy through the western portions of the north central and central plains it will start to pull that cold air in behind it so we should see an increasing chance for precipitation particularly from west east particularly tomorrow afternoon into sunday might be our best opportunity for precipitation until we get into late next week there may be some scattered precipitation across southeast and south-central Nebraska as the precipitation that was over eastern Nebraska sags slightly toward the south, and we can maybe get a little bit of convergence. But I wouldn't count on a lot of that moisture. We will remain in the 90s here for the next day, day and a half, and then we'll start to see that cool air move in on Sunday to some extent. Probably the warmest temperature will be along the Kansas-Nebraska border, much cooler toward the north. And then as we get into Monday, we really get the full blown of the nice cool air. I don't know if we're going to break the, the mid-70s across the northern part of the state. We'll probably be in the mid to upper 70s across the southern part of the state. But the ridge from the west starts to rebuild back in as another trough comes into the Pacific Northwest. So we will see an increase 
increase in temperatures as we go through the midweek period. And that is likely to come to an end as we get to late next week as yet another trough basically moves across the northern plains. This is kind of an interesting trough from the standpoint that they're really bringing this down unusually far southward and very intense in terms of the coolness for late portions of June and into early July, this would be unusually cold and looking like highs that would be in the 70s, maybe even some 60s in the Dakotas. But that also increases our chance for precipitation. So once again, we rotate energy around this trough. And what's more interesting is as we go into July, I thought that that trough might break down and we'd see the ridge return. But this morning's GFS model basically keeps a troughing pattern across the north central United States all the way to the end of its forecast model, which takes us out to the, to the 6th of July. So if that's the case, we're going to see a much cooler air mass pretty much hold over the northern plains. And that increases chances for precipitation moving from west to east at the base of that trough, and that's where Nebraska lies. So hopefully we'll get a combination of cool and wet conditions, enough so that we can get us in at least to the pollination period without really being concerned about the drought issues. But I think that's going to be on the forefront until it really produces some significant moisture. I think everybody's going to be a little bit concerned, especially seeing that the last few weeks have been very warm and very dry. All right, thanks so much for the information and the insight. Nebraska ag climatologist Al Dutcher and our weekly update here on the Rural Radio Network. Chad Moyer reporting. For details. This time for Midday Sports. Sports director Jason Jorgensen is now joining us in uh, Big Husker News once again. Yeah, a little bit surprising commitment last night when Reno McQueen High School running back Ashton Hayes gave his verbal commitment to the Huskers. His head coach Jim Snelling confirmed the commitment and said that, uh, well, Hayes has been all excited about the Huskers since visiting Nebraska last weekend. Uh, Hayes is the fifth known commitment in the 2022 class and the second this week, joining quarterback Richard Torres, who jumped on board with the Huskers mm. on Monday. In talking to Husker assistant coach uh, Sean Beckton and listening to what uh, head coach Scott Frost had to say, all of the college coaches are just glad now that things are a right. little closer yeah. Yeah. You know, to normal. I, I still don't know how they were able to recruit and do any of that during COVID. Well, and if you are a student athlete trying to figure out where you want to spend your next four years would be a very difficult decision in these times because you may not have been able to visit certain colleges uh, or do all these kind of things because of COVID. But I think... Yeah, that's a big decision to make when you never get on campus. We already know what the transfer (laughs) portal has Mm -hmm. turned into with the wild, wild west. Give it a year when you have all of these kids who had to make decisions and then they're not happy with where they're at. I mean, it'd be like you and I looking at a radio job and never actually seeing the station or what you're working with or what's going on and realizing, oh, yeesh, this is not good. A little different. We'll keep everybody yeah. up, to, up to speed. As part of the activities surrounding the Nebraska 8-Man All-Star Game in Hastings tomorrow, a number of area coaches and players will be inducted into the Nebraska 8-Man Hall of Fame. Those being honored tomorrow include former Elwood head coach Kevin Mulberg, Carl Ostrand, who started Ansley, then went on to have a successful coaching career at Nebraska. Christian will be honored along with Josh Cobb of Wallace, Corey Anderson of Sand Hills, longtime Hayes Center head coach Jim Cole, Wade Edis of Mullen, and Scott and Andrew Shanley of St. Edward. Tomorrow night's game in Hastings kicks off at 6. Should be a decent night for that uh, yeah. matchup tomorrow night, and yeah. I hope they have a big crowd. Yeah, weather uh, going to be in, probably in the low 80s there, so not as warm as what it has been. Certainly good timing for it. 
Fort Kearney Conference All-Stars were the champs last night at the New West All-Star Volleyball Classic in Minden. They beat the RPAC in the first round in three sets. Then they were able to take out the Southwest Conference in the championship match. Lou Platt won the consolation match over the RPAC. That FKC team is pretty strong. Uh, that's a very good All-Star team, especially for uh, small schools. Bell Pates of Pleasanton was named the MVP of the night. The girls' and boys' basketball games are set for tonight between the four conferences. Girls' games at 5, boys' game at 7. When you think of the FKC, I mean, you have Pleasanton, Overton. I mean, those teams are were playing at state. So, of course, they're going to be solid. Yeah, they and they were last night. And the Phelps County Sports Wall of Honor will induct more individuals tonight at the Nebraska Prairie Museum's annual Swedish Supper. First two inductees are Jared Carlson and Walker Hohensee, who won Class B number 1 doubles tennis state championships in 2012 and 2013. They went 40-0 and that year. They won it in 2013. The next two inductees are Jenna Isaacson-Misner of Holdridge and Michelle Patterson-Kluver of Loomis. Isaacson was an all-state selection in a number of sports. She went on to play for the Lopers. Kluver went on to play golf at Nebraska despite never having played high school golf. She was the 1991 Carney Hub Female Athlete of the Year. She actually eventually went on in the mid-90s and played in the U.S. Women's Amateur. That's how good of a golfer that she was. I'm very confused how she made it to UNL without playing high school She golf. could golf. And her dad was a teacher and a golf coach. Uh, okay, so that, that's that what helps. Was, yeah, it does. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, also, the Holdridge girls' golf teams from the mid to uh, late 90s will be represented. They won state titles in 93, 95, 97, and 98. Mm. Induction ceremony tonight at Holdridge at 7. Okay. It's right. a cool well, deal that they do over there. Yeah, and they do it once a year? Mm-hmm. Okay. And I, I need to get over in that, that museum. Yeah, it's just right off the highway. Yeah. I mean, this is probably right not the weekend to do it with no. Swedish days going on, but I, I need to make it over there. Yeah. No, it's a great museum. They've done some updates there they as have. well. It so. looks good. It's a good spot. That's right. looking sports. For more, find it anytime at krvn.com. Thank you very much. It is time for Midday News. Ellen Simmons has now stepped in. And Ellen, uh, how's the week been going so far? It's been a long week. (laughs) (laughs) But it's been good. A good week, but at least, listen, temperatures are cooling down. The weekend is now upon us. Uh, but for news, that doesn't really mean anything at that at this point. No, news no. is always going on. And <laughs> always. You guys have had some great coverage uh, from the trial that's been down in uh, Oxford mm-hmm. or down in Furness County overall. And I know we'll have more on that. Yeah. So Furness County Sheriff's Sergeant Alex Huntley was on the witness stand Friday in the child sex trafficking trial of uh, Oxford resident Billy Quinn. Uh, Dave Schroeder reports. Sergeant Huntley spoke of his initial interview with the alleged victim in the case on January 19th of 2020. It led to an arrest warrant for Quinn and a search warrant of his residence and commercial property in Oxford that was served that evening by the Furnace County Sheriff's Office and Nebraska State Patrol. Computers and a cell phone were seized. On the Rural Radio Network, I'm Dave Schroeder. Thank you, Dave. The U.S. Department of Agriculture is offering a 50-50 match on Nebraska dollars invested in outreach to get more eligible families enrolled in SNAP, the program formerly known as Food Stamps. Ellen Vollinger with the Food Research and Action Center says SNAP helps struggling families put food on the table and can 
play an important role in kickstarting local economies. She says every federal tax dollar returning to Nebraska in SNAP benefits generates up to $1.80 in economic impact. That whole economic food chain starts with the farmers, and there's a benefit to them when people are participating in SNAP and purchasing the things that they produce that end up on the grocery shelves. Recent USDA guidance to states aims to enroll people who may not know they are eligible, including black and Latino households, uh, college students, and military veterans. Governor Pete Ricketts vetoed LB 108, a measure passed in this year's session to expand SNAP eligibility, claiming it would discourage Nebraskans from returning to work. Lawmakers voted to override the governor's veto. Work has begun on nearly $30 million in renovation projects that will will change the entrance of Omaha's Epley Airfield and upgrade one of the nation's airport's garages. The Omaha World Herald reports that the entrance to the airport terminal will be moved about a quarter mile south toward downtown along Abbott Drive. The change comes following several studies in recent years showing the need for a longer and wider entrance that will give drivers more time to make maneuvering decisions. Work on the south garage will include construction of an express ramp to provide access to premier parking. Construction began Wednesday and is slated to be finished by late 2022. Authorities say one motorcyclist died in a chain reaction crash on Interstate 80 in eastern Nebraska that shut down a stretch of the thoroughfare for hours. The Nebraska State Patrol says the crash happened around 6.40 a.m. Thursday near Ashland when a westbound semi-trailer tried to pass the motorcyclist and hit another westbound semi. The crash happened, or excuse me, that crash pushed the second semi into a van while the first semi-driver overcorrected and hit 54-year-old Patrick Cunningham of South Bend who was driving the motorcycle. Cunningham was pronounced dead at the scene. No one else involved in the crash was injured. The westbound lanes of I-80 were closed for about six hours as investigators reconstructed the crash. You can find more news at krvn.com. The city. The recent heat has been a big issue for those in the livestock industry. Today we look at dealing with heat and hogs. Good afternoon. I'm Susan Littlefield on the World Radio Network. Well, as we know, pig care and comfort is a top priority for U.S. pork producers. And as temperatures continue to rise, adjusting building mechanics to maintain pig comfort is a big priority. Dr. Chris Holstetter is director of animal science with the National Pork Board and says animals reduce feed consumption in the heat, inadvertently challenging their growth. Certainly keeping the barns in, you know, the settings on the ventilation, you know, making sure that those are are correct for fan speeds and number of fans running, but also making sure that all of it is maintained. So maintaining your fan motors and maintaining your fan uh, louvers and uh, intakes and the outlets, uh, extremely important, as well as curtain mechanisms, so raising and lowering the, the curtains, uh, that can be a challenge as well. One of the first warning signs in pigs is getting overheated is a change in those eating habit times, going from day to night feeders. The bottom line is feed consumption is reduced by 10%. Recent checkoff funding research from Iowa State University looked at how the animals absorb feed during these warmer days. They found out that 
Really what happens is the pigs under heat stress conditions have what's called leaky gut syndrome so that they absorb the nutrients at a, in a much less efficient manner. So it's actually a twofold, a double whammy, if you will, due to heat stress. Not only do they eat less, but that what they do eat, they absorb more poorly than under normal growing conditions. And he says that pigs in heat stress do give off a variety of warning signs beyond growth performance. Certainly increased respiration rate, laying over the cool parts of the floor. If you have a, a partially slatted floor, they will lay over the slats rather than the solid portion of the floor. And of course, that changes their dunging patterns, dunging behavior. If you've got a water meter on your building, you can see water intake increase, water utilization increase. Those are some of the indicators that, that pigs are no longer operating in their thermal neutral zone and that, that they're warmer than what they typically would be. And for those 4-H FFAers out there, Dr. Hostetler is stressing the importance of evaluating how you as members and parents too are watering their pigs both at home and when you're at those shows. That garden hose gets sunshine on it. That water is 120 degrees and there's no way those pigs want to drink that water, right? And on top of it, to get cool water, you have to run it for three or four minutes before the cold water starts to come out of that hose. When they get to the show, that's extremely important as well. A lot of times you'll see gravity-fed water delivery systems. They're essentially a bucket with a nipple in the bottom of them or a PVC pipe with a nipple in the bottom of them. That's relying on the weight of the water to deliver that. That's not nearly enough water delivery to meet the demands of those pigs. And so a pressurized water system is important when delivering water to the pigs. And since we're talking herd health, want to remind pork producers about AgView. It's a platform that promotes business continuity for America's pig farmers. It uniquely makes pig movement data instantly available to animal health officials. Dr. Dave Pryburn is the chief veterinarian with the National Pork Board. and He talks about the basis of this pork checkoff funded program. Essentially through taking producer records, especially producer premises records tied to their animal movement or pig movement records and holding those securely until they're needed for a foreign animal disease response. So how it works is producers create an account within AgView. They load up their, their premises information. They load their pig movement information and keep it real time. So that means continually update that movement information as more movements occur, as we know they will. Um, and then it's held there only for the producers to see. Nobody else sees that. Hopefully forever, nobody else sees that because the only time somebody else is going to see it is when a state animal health official makes a request to them or a permission request to see that data. And according to Dr. Pyburn, the producer's information would only be requested after there is a suspected outbreak of a foreign animal disease. Then the state animal health officials, as well as the uh, federal animal health officials that are responding to the foreign animal disease outbreak, they'll be able to see that pig movement data and that premises data tied together in a geospatial dashboard. And then they can take that and they can make decisions right away based on where disease likely is, where it's likely not, where do they need to send resources to try to perform surveillance? Well, how do they need to try to contain disease so it doesn't spread farther in our industry so we can make this a much easier response? And then eventually, it'll get to uh, the data will show where there's areas of the country, areas of our industry that are at very low risk to no risk for having the disease. And those are the areas that we can get back to 
more business as usual as we uh, as we go through the response actions. Producers that attended World Pork Expo learned more about AgView, and they had a hundred percent sign up for folks that stopped by their booth. But you still have the chance if you will get signed up for AgView, which is free to pork producers. You will be entered into some drawings that will take place after June 30th. More information can be found at porkcheckoff.org forward slash agview. Or you can call the Pork Producers Service Center hotline 800-456-7675. I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network. With the business report for Friday, I'm Bob Brogan. Stocks are broadly lower in afternoon trading on Wall Street after a Federal Reserve official said that the nation's central bank might need to raise interest rates as early as next year, sooner than the Fed's latest estimate of possible rate increases in 2023. The S&P 500 index fell eight-tenths of a percent. The Dow Jones Industrial Average lost 1.2 percent dragged down by technology companies and banks, while the Nasdaq composite was down five-tenths of a percent. The S&P 500 is heading for its first weekly loss in the last four. Bond yields were slightly higher after the comments from St. Louis Federal Reserve President James Bullard, who was speaking on CNBC. Gas prices have soared past $3 per gallon. The costs of used cars and new furniture Airline tickets, department store blouses, and the like are all on the rise, too. Economists say the price increases are fueled by the after-effects of a global pandemic and probably won't last. But Republicans are hoping to storm into next year's midterm elections, arguing that key parts of the economy have deteriorated under President Joe Biden and a Democratic-controlled Congress. They say steep government spending has triggered inflation, and that has hurt the purchasing power of everyday Americans rather than triggering a promised boom. Many Americans are relaxing precautions taken during the COVID-19 pandemic and resuming everyday activities, even as some worry that coronavirus-related restrictions were hastily lifted. That's according to a new poll from the Associated Press NORC Center for Public Affairs Research. A majority of Americans who were regularly doing so before the pandemic say they're returning to bars or restaurants, traveling, and attending live events. For the Rural Radio Network, I'm Bob. Welcome back to Fridays in the Field, brought to you by FNBO, the great big small bank. Excited to have you back with me in central Nebraska as we come back to Max Creek Winery near Lexington, Nebraska. And we're talking once again with Max McFarland. And Max, it was interesting, during our last segment, we were just coming into the budding phase. Things were starting to green up. It was cool and it was wet. Now fast forward several weeks and it's a completely different story. It is hot and it is dry right now in early June. So kind of walk us through what does this mean right now for the grape crop and your management of the grapes? Well, I fear that I've missed something because here it's August and I I completely missed June and July. And I don't know what happened there, but uh, as we were talking earlier, you know, we grumble a little bit about it's it's cold, it's, it's wet, we need some heat, we need some heat, and boy, be careful what you wish for because we got it. The grapes like it a whole lot better than I do. They, they kind of thrive in this. Uh, uh, the, the older established grapes, their root system is so far down, particularly here in the Platte Valley where we are, uh, so close to the, uh, to the water table, uh, they're pretty much 
sub-irrigating themselves anyway. We don't really have to worry too much about them. So it's not like a corn crop that the leaves start rolling up, you know, when it gets hot and dry and you got to hurry up and get the pipe out or the pivot going. We just planted some replacement, quite a few replacement vines, which we do every year. And those little guys, they take quite a bit of water for the first three or four years. So we are scrambling to get the water today, uh, just as you were walking in, trying to get the water to them. It certainly did hurry things along. It's catching things up. Uh, Seasonal-wise, we scramble to try and keep up and catch up, but we'll get there. When it comes to the quality or the vintage of wine that will be made this year, does heat stress, does that do anything to the vintage for the better or for the worse? Well, you know, you hear a lot about that. In Europe, France, uh, different different places that uh, they, they purposely put those grapes under a great deal of stress because that you know, the, the flavors are more intense, etc., etc. It doesn't necessarily work that way with the kind of regional cold climate grapes that we have here. We don't particularly like to stress grapes any more than we have to. They have to get through an awfully nasty winter that's coming up, and so we want them happy and healthy and all of that. Uh, so really, <laughs> again, even though... Uh, I feel under a great deal of stress uh, days like this. There's only about so much heat, uh, heat out there that I can take, and i got to get back inside. Uh, but the grapes are pretty well loving it. I don't anticipate that we're going to have an unusually stressed uh, vintage in that respect, but there's so much that can happen between now and then. I say now and then. Harvest usually happens about the oh, first full week in August we'll get started, and it's really close already. So things are quickly happening. Let's talk now about the agritourism portion that really helps to make the business of, of Max Creek Winery. When you guys were getting started, what was one of the learning curves or maybe even the biggest learning curve that you had to overcome moving into the agritourism uh, space? Now, let me preface it by saying the learning curve was really steep on just every aspect of this. This wasn't something we had much background in. We did our homework and, and I think we really did a good job knowing what we're getting into, knowing what to anticipate on the the viticulture, the, the grape growing side, the, uh, the winery side and winemaking side is, you know, challenging uh, for me. Fortunately, uh, we have a, a son, the winemaker, who uh, he knows what he's doing. So, uh, But I, I feel like we've really been able to anticipate what's happening there. The one area that really took me by surprise, and I think maybe all of us by surprise, was the whole events and tourism and that piece of it. That again, Max McFarlane with Max Creek Winery near Lexington, Nebraska for this week's Friday in the Field, brought to you by FNBO. Catch more and an expanded version of our interview all on video at RuralRadioNetwork.com. On highway use. Good afternoon, Clay Patton on the Rural Radio Network with a check here of your grain settlements as we take a deeper dive. Unfortunately, John Payne with Daniel Zag Marketing in Chicago unable to join us this afternoon. Though we see a big buyback of the dip from yesterday as we're seeing uh, the soybean oil, one of the leaders to the top side today, it was one of the leaders to the downside yesterday, gaining over 5% in the September contract, 4.5% in the August. So as that brought it back around, soybeans gained nearly 5% on all contracts, but then corn December and March of 22 gained over 6% on the day. So that helped to really pad things up and try to push them back to where they were pre uh, the selling yesterday. Now, they don't quite make it to unchanged. Still likely to see some light losses so far on the week, but stepping back and bringing back a lot of what they had lost earlier. So as we saw coming across uh, the commodity weather group, though, still calling for a much less threatening summer at this point moving forward. Its analysis pointing out that up until this point, we were seeing uh, similar years to 1988 to 2000. 
2012. That's where we saw a lot of hot, dry pressure not only start in June, but continue through the rest of the growing season, which really cut back on the overall yield. Now they're starting to say maybe it's going to look a bit more like 2006. That's when yields were just below trend line yields, but still kind of sitting in that same general area. So if we can start to get a more pleasant July, or not necessarily pleasant, but a more friendly July, maybe a little bit more mild temperatures, a little bit more rain introduced into the forecast, things can still have time to recover here. Now, the heat and hot damage, like we we're talking with Arlen Suderman and the Fontenelle Final Bell on Wednesday, really pointing out that we the heat we've already seen up until this point, though, has had some impact, has possibly made even some early damage, just stressing the crop that much to push us to slightly off of trend line yields. We still, though, have a lot of growing season left, a lot of critical time for this crop to get up and going, especially in the corn. Now, as we can move into July, into the first parts of August, where we see that critical pollination time after we shoot tassels and get ready there, that's going to be a critical time. If we get up very hot and dry there, it looks like it's going to hurt pollination. That's something to definitely be aware of. Other factors this week, of course, India not taking their tariffs off of vegetable oils, which they expected on vegetable oil imports, which would have been very good for U.S. soybeans. Unfortunately, they didn't do that. That put a lot of pressure on soybean oil yesterday. The Biden administration also still catching a lot of pressure to do something on the renewable fuels, on the RENs, on the renewable fuel refinery waivers. So as they continue to catch that type of pressure, they're stepping back away from the biodiesel blends, from some of the ethanol blends as well uh, as possible there, uh, even though none of that officially set in stone that they'll actually either issue more waivers or anything, but it looks like they're starting to catch some pressure to lean that direction. Overall, though, going in, the rain's underwhelming yesterday. It looks like the rain's maybe underwhelming over the weekend. That puts the weather bulls back in charge coming into Friday afternoon. As for John Payne, you can always learn more at danielzagmarketing.com. All right, thank you very much, Clay. That'll wrap up Midday here on this Friday. As always, you can catch Midday podcasts not only from today, but the entire week, sponsored by Devaney Motors. Wherever podcasts are available or K100.